welcome. Thank you for listening to this wholesome word by David Entry. The words you catch will change your world. May your story change from this message. Be blessed. Colossians chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. For I would that ye knew what great conflicts I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to hear from you. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will speak to us. We pray that you impact yourself into us. As we hear your word, let us hear from you. Heal the sick. Deliver the captives. Convict the sinning. Save the lost. Let the weak receive strength. And let the tempted receive grace to overcome. Thank you that Christ will be revealed to us by your spirit through the teaching of your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Last week we spoke about Mysterion. The mystery of the ages. When you look at the text we just read, it says that, for I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and as many of you have not seen. My verse 2 says that my conflict is that their hearts might be comforted, knit together in love, and unto all riches of full assurance of understanding. Two, that's King James says that, to the acknowledgement, the New American Standard Version says that, to attain all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge. We talk about true knowledge. That means that not every knowledge is in-depth and comprehensive. Some knowledge will be just superficial. So we have the true knowledge. You know, so um, let's look at the English Standard Version, please. The English Standard Version puts it that to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, amplified, says that so that they may have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding, the joy of salvation, resulting in a true and more intimate knowledge. Having a certain dimension of knowledge that is so intimate between you and God that it can't be taken away from you. Crisis can't take that away from you. Persecution can't take that away from you. Ill feelings or ill treatment can't take that away from you. Our walk with God, spiritual maturity is clearly defined here. True spiritual maturity is based on intimate or true knowledge. Not just of God, but true knowledge of the mystery of God. The mystery of God. Now, God, how many of you know God is a great mystery? You can spend your entire life researching, and the more you research, the more he seems far. That is why all human beings everywhere have a sense of God and are groping in darkness for this God is somewhere. So some people define him through cows. Others define him through elephants. Others define him through images. 
Others define him through gods and goddesses, through rivers, uh, through created things. Some even define him through creature. And some go as far as that. You know what? He doesn't exist. That's their way of defining him. That he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't even exist. Because their mind, they can't wrap their minds around this whole concept of God. So the easiest way to do it is to say it doesn't exist. When you say God doesn't exist, you leave yourself with major questions of life you can't answer. Bigger questions of life. The origin of man. The purpose of man. The destiny. Where are you coming from? If God doesn't exist, where are you coming from? Why are you here at all then? What's the sense of your life? How can you answer this bigger, the biggest questions of life? It's not about money. If you get all the money, what's the purpose of getting it? Is it for partying? So why are you having party? Just enjoy. Some of us will know that there have been times you have some great times, great weekends, great moments, exciting moments, but afterwards you feel so empty. And then you're asking, so what is, what's the purpose of this? Sometimes you want something so badly, you get it and you're wondering, so is this, is that it? But you can get all these things and realize that you are actually emptier yeah. than before you got it. So there are bigger questions in life. The greatest questions in life can never be answered by any human being outside of what scripture has got to say. The origin of man, the purpose of man, and the destiny of man. You can never answer that question outside of this. Other than that, the best you say is that we are all like some creatures that show up, depending on what you do, you go and come back again as a cow, or come back again as an elephant, or come back again as a prince, or come back again as a thief, as a a frog, and all that. So when do we stop coming back? (laughs) When when does this this cycle? Uh, So, but God is a mystery. And watch this. How many of you know, okay, let's define a mystery. Mystery Mystery is something that is hidden. That uh, it's difficult for the mind to comprehend or to grasp. It becomes a mystery. There's something. I just, I can't get it properly. Yeah, so life is full of mysteries. And things that have been created have some mysteries about them. But most natural things, the mystery around natural, natural things, God has given us the permission and the ability to research into it. Yeah. So many years ago, science didn't know some things. Now science is beginning to know. And we are getting to know more. You know, recently I heard about potential discovery of treatment for cancer or a medicine, a medicine for cancer. That will be a big breakthrough. So there are still things that we'll find out later, like this AI thing. Artificial intelligence, you know, and so many things are coming. So they are already there. It's not like we created them. They are already there, but now we are discovering how to use them, how to put them together. War, war, wars, 100 years ago are different from now. Because science has developed so much. Human beings in our research and discovery of some of the mysteries hidden in life have made so much progress, that's, we, are, we keep discovering because there's a lot of mystery around life, about life. Up to now, we have not finished discovering the depths of the sea. There's a lot, the skies. There's a lot, there's a lot. So there's mystery about life. But the greatest mystery in life is God himself. God is the greatest mystery of life. And yet, it is his pleasure that we can know him a bit more. Now watch this. The basic knowledge about God, interesting, let me put it this way. There's something theologians call the immediate, immediate revelation of God. In theological circles when we say immediate revelation, the word immediate has to do with media, all right? Media or mediation. Mediation. So a media is a medium through which information is sent from one end to the other. So that's media. It's a medium. 
And mediation is to stand in between two ends and bridge them, all right? So when we say something, that's why we have different type of social media, print media, electronic media, different media, it's just media. Now, the agency or the medium, the process through which information is sent from one end to the other is called a media. Now, when we, theologians say immediate, that means without media. Do you understand that? Without something coming in between to help you get the information. So when you say the immediate revelation of God, another way of maybe putting is unmediated. <laughs> it, has, it doesn't need any medium. The immediate revelation of God, that's what Romans chapter 1 says, verse 20, that for the invisible things of God, okay, the invisible things that of that hymn is talking about God. The New King James will use the capital H to show you that it's talking about God. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. You don't need anything to tell you that God exists. That's why human beings everywhere tend to pursue a God one way or the other. Because you don't know, his invisible, the things about him that cannot be seen, his attributes are clearly seen in creature. It, all it takes is an ability to think. So that means that to even say there's no God, you have to be taught that one. But to, the existence of God is not taught. It's immediate. It's immediate. That's what the scripture is saying. The existence of God is immediate. The atheism must be taught. That's why sometimes people are bullied and butchered in universities to make sure some things, when you start saying, it's not natural. You've been taught some things to say. Because it's, 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 it's way above normal understanding and basic conventional understanding. So now, so we have the immediate revelation of God, and then we, we have the, the salvific revelation. When I say salvific, saving knowledge, because you can know God exists, but it doesn't mean you know him savingly. Wow. Do, you, do you understand that? Knowing that God exists doesn't mean you know him savingly. That's why people can say, I believe God exists. So what? Almost every religion believes in the existence of God. That's where religion stems from. So every religion, so believing in the existence of God doesn't mean you are saved. So me saying I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not an atheist really doesn't bring you, there's no, so long as God is, salvation is, there's no difference between someone who says I believe God exists and the other person who say I don't believe God exists. It's the same level. The same level. So long as salvation is concerned. So when we talk about the salvific revelation, it's a certain revelation of God that doesn't come natural. A certain revelation of God that comes through mediation. He said, how shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? Romans chapter 10 from verse 13. How shall they call on him on whom they have not believed that? How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? So this one is not immediate. You have to hear. And this believing in the verse 12 says that, for whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, so we are talking about salvation. Everybody say salvation. Salvation, salvation is at the mercy of believing. Whilst the believing that brings salvation is at the mercy of hearing. And that hearing that brings believing that leads into salvation, that hearing is at the mercy of preaching. And that preaching is at the mercy of someone's saint. So then you need somebody to be saved. Nobody gets saved wishing. You have to be saved by being told. That's what Jesus said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is meant to be told. If I was never told about Winston Churchill, I would have never known he existed. The statue you see of Winston Churchill in Parliament Square is there's a history behind the statue. It's not just an image that was cut, it's a human image, someone who once actually lived. Like when you go to Buckingham Palace, that big statue is a Queen Victoria. She actually lived. 
But how many of you have met her before? <laughs> but you believe that she lived. Why? Because you were told, just like you were told your date of birth. You, there are things that you have to be told. You were told your date of birth. You were told who your dad is. You, it, you were just told. So in life, there are things you have to be told. In the same way, when it comes to the salvific knowledge of God, it has to be told you. So the Bible says that when they have preached, as many as heard were saved. Can you imagine? As many as believed were saved. And in fact, Acts chapter 4 talks about, after Peter Dems preached this powerful, the Bible said 4,000 people who had believed. And they were saved. They were saved. How were they saved? Because they had. However, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number, that's people who were saved, 5,000 actually. Many who heard the word, how did they come to believe? Because they heard the word. That's why the angel told Cornelius, sent to Joppa for Peter. He will come and tell you words by which you must be saved. In Acts chapter 11, he will come and tell you words by which you must be saved. In Acts chapter 5 verse 20, he told them that when they brought him, them from prison, he said, go and stand in the marketplace. Go ahead and stand there and tell them the words of life. Because that's why the early church, they were forbidden from preaching. They said, you can't preach to the people. What were they afraid of? Because when we preach Christ, it releases the power of God. That's why in Romans chapter 1 verse 15, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Oh, I like that one. Pastor, preach the gospel of That's what saves that's what brings the power. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of that gospel of Christ is the power of God. Salvific power of God comes through the preaching of the gospel. This is very important. It's very important for believers to understand. Now, watch this. And so we have the revelation of God, and then we have the salvific knowledge, which you have to be towards the salvific knowledge that Christ died for our sins. And we are all sinners. Christ died for our sins. If you believe, you put your faith in him as the son of God who died for our sins and resurrected on our behalf, you'll be saved. It's so simple. Wow. It's so simple. You don't need any, a child can understand and be saved. Salvific knowledge of God is simple. So you, can, you are never, you are not, you cannot be and you are never a part of the church. You are not a part of the church if you haven't believed that Christ died for our sins and resurrected the third day. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, Paul said, let me tell you the gospel that I received. The gospel I received, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, it says that for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. The next verse, it says that and he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to, that's the, that's the simplest summation of the gospel. Now, you cannot be saved without believing in this. Salvation is not based on your behavior. Salvation is based on your believing. Never forget that. It's based on your, so what, the one who is comparing himself to that Christian brother or that Christian, I even behave nicer than, he says, I, I'm, I even behave nicer than, uh, 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 than him. Or I know people who behave nicer than you. It, it doesn't mean they are going to heaven. There will be a lot of well-behaved people in hell. A lot, plenty of them, plenty of them, well behaved, and there will be also a lot of formerly bad people in heaven. Yeah. I have to say formally, so if you can uh, <laughs> understand, who have met Jesus and their lives have changed. Hallelujah. But so, salvation is very important to understand this, please. Salvation is based on the message you have heard. So, what a message? The message about Christ. What message about Christ? The, the, the fact that he died for our sins, he resurrected. If you don't even know that the whole Bible is the word of God, you can still be saved without knowing that. You can still be saved without knowing that Mary's mother, a Jesus mother, earthly mother, was called Mary. You can still be saved and think that the church is not important. You can still be saved and think that, you know, a lot of things are not necessary. Just it's between just you and God, and you know, and you even think that Moses didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, you can still be saved. But 
The platform for salvation is believing in Jesus Christ that is the Son of God. He died for our sins, resurrected. Then that's, then you begin. So you realize that there are people who are saved, but that's all there is to their life. The saving faith. Now listen, we are saved by faith. Say we are saved by faith. I'm not saying it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says that. Say, for by grace are you saved through faith. All right. So we are saved by grace through faith. So that's when you believe that faith for salvation is believing. Watch this. It's important. So Colossians chapter 1 verse 4 also said, when I heard of your faith, when I heard of your faith, since, uh, verse 4, yeah, since we heard of your faith, where? That's, that's the definition of a Christian. This. That's, that's the definition of a Christian. Not, not, not just faith in Christ, this one. It's the definition of a Christian. What's the definition of a Christian? Your faith in Christ. So that's what determines whether you are a Christian or not. All right? So he said, when I knew about you being Christians and your love, when you are a Christian, it automatically generates love for other Christians. So they are fine in their faith of God. They are fine in their love for the believer, faith in Christ, love for the believer. What, what next? Now, look at what the scripture we just read in the verse 2 again. It said, I'm striving that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and to the acknowledgement of the mystery. Is there something else to know? Are there other things to know? God is a mystery. Instead, you see, you start with basic faith. But look at, there are some words that I need you to take notice of here. Riches. Everybody say riches. Riches. And then say full assurance. Everybody say full assurance. Full assurance. And then acknowledgement of the mystery. So, riches, full assurance, and acknowledgement of the mystery. Or we can even leave it here, understanding. All right, so when you have a certain understanding, it's good. But there are people who don't have full assurance of understanding. Now, that full assurance, so we need a full assurance of understanding. The deeper you begin to discover Christ, the stronger the assurance of your understanding. Because you are understanding something and it's giving you a certain level of assurance. Say assurance. Assurance. Now, it's important to understand now, when that, under, as I mentioned the other time, when that under, assurance comes, it comes with riches. There are people who are born again, and they haven't gotten anywhere when it comes to full assurance of understanding. Even the understanding is so limited. That's why they think Moses didn't live. That's why they think that Genesis is not part of the Bible. It's a problem of your understanding. Yeah. That's why you, you think that Mary is the mother of Jesus, so that means the wife of God. <laughs> yeah, you believe that Jesus died on the cross, you believe he was buried and resurrected for our sins, and you put your faith in it. That's good. Salvific knowledge. But now there's a certain knowledge now that you are saved. You have to grow in your knowledge. And that will afford you certain levels of understanding, and those understandings will now determine the full assurance, and that full assurance is what gives you the riches. In your work with Christ. So it's all riches in your work with Christ. So it is important to understand that being born again and having faith, faith is if the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 11, in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, in Romans chapter 1 verse 17, and in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38, the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And we understand in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Faith, 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 faith. It's, but I want to submit to you that just the faith is not enough. Full assurance of understanding is more than just faith. Full assurance of understanding, brothers and sisters, is more than just saying, I have faith in Jesus. Full assurance of understanding is having faith in Jesus plus a certain in-depth of knowledge, in-depth of comprehension 
or apprehension of Christ. So you can start faith. Bible says that we all have a measure of faith, Romans chapter 12. We all have a measure of faith to start with, but you grow your faith. And saving faith is not enough. You have to get to full assurance of understanding, full assurance of understanding. Do you know that people have had faith and at a point in time, they lost faith? In fact, Bible talks about how people have made shipwreck of their faith. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 19. Holding faith and conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. So you can make shipwreck of your faith, but you can't make shipwreck of full under assurance of understanding. <laughs> you can't make shipwreck of full assurance of understanding. And so God is bringing us to a place. He, that's why Paul said, that's my striving. You guys are doing well in faith in Jesus. But guess what? You are now being bombarded with all kinds of ideologies, all kinds of philosophies. They are telling them, you know what? There are deeper things you have to know, and it is not about Christ. There's something more than Christ. What is it? What is it? And the, the gullible church of Colossae were beginning to bite into this. We're beginning to connect into this. There's something deeper. You know, the church is not telling you uh, more. The, the, the church, you open your eyes. Open, I have deep things. Let me tell you. And they will tell you. See, that scripture is not in the Bible. It's King James who put it in. Because uh, They are telling you there's something more about knowledge. Something esoteric. Something amazing. Wonderful, hidden knowledge that you don't know. We know. You don't know. Paul said, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Christ plus anything else, bondage. <laughs> you do not need Christ and something. You don't need Christ and pastor. You don't need Christ and a bishop. You don't need Christ and a system. To be saved and walk, be a child of God, you are complete in him because in him dwells the fullness. Hallelujah. Amen. In fact, let me go ahead of myself. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, verse 8, he said, be careful, lest someone will spoil you. Yeah. Liz said, beware, lest any man spoil you. Can you imagine? You have been a believer, you have been faith in Christ, but you can be spoiled. You can be spoiled by embracing certain ideas, embracing certain teachings, and not deepening your understanding and knowledge in Christ. You can be spoiled. Said, beware, warning, lest any man, no spirits, human beings, any man will spoil you through what? Philosophy. Through what? Vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Come on! What you are saying makes sense. The historic fact you are, you are, you are churning out sounds amazing and it's true. But listen, this is distracting from Christ. Yeah, King James was bad. He did some stuff. But please, separate King James' behavior from the Christ I have found. You're making a mistake. Now look at the next verse. That someone will spoil you. Then he says that, for in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And look at the next verse. I thought that was not enough. Look at this generation. And you are complete in him. You are complete in him. Don't uh, bring something else. I don't need any other. No, I have something else to tell you. I don't need it. So Paul had to teach them. Look at verse 4. Paul had to teach them. We read it earlier on. Verse 4. He says that, and this I say, lest any man beguile you with enticing words. Yes, beautiful words, sweet words. I mean, they, 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 they sound reasonable. They sound very intellectual. They sound very logical. They sound, this is good. Yeah. Ah, I didn't know this. I didn't. Me, 
Meanwhile, you are drifting away from Christ. They are eclipsing Christ with all kinds of signs, so-called. He said falsely, signs, so-called. One of the verses said that. F- signs, falsely, so-called, something like that. Philosophy. Beguiling you. Spoiling you with philosophy. But you see, the problem is, if you are not taught one, and if you don't grow in your knowledge, that brings full assurance of understanding. If you are not growing in your true knowledge, say true knowledge. True knowledge knowledge of God, then you can be spoiled. Then you can be deceived, you can be beguiled. Being in church for a long time doesn't mean you are not susceptible to being beguiled. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you have, you, you have comprehension of true knowledge. And God, now let me go back to where I was speaking up from God. So I don't want to, I just want to, just, yes, just. Now watch this, mystery. Say God is a mystery. And this greatest mystery of all ages and all time has decided to reveal himself through Christ. So he says that Colossians chapter 2, again, verse 2, that text is heavily pregnant. He says that, give me the um, New American Standard Version, that their hearts might be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. So God himself is a mystery, and the mystery of God is Christ. Why? Because how can you say the entirety of God is captured physically? Because no physical, anything physical can capture all of God. But to the maximum where a physical entity can capture divinity, the Bible says that he is the image, Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the God who cannot be seen. He, Christ, he is the image. He said, I am. I, I just can't, I, I, I am. That's where Jehovah's Witness miss it. That's where Islam miss it. See, when you begin to grow in the true knowledge of Christ, a lot of, when people start talking rubbish, genuinely from their hearts. You just feel sorry for them. Sometimes I'm talking to people and I I really feel sorry for them. Because you can't even explain it. They they won't get it. It's above them. They won't get it. Mm, Come and stand in front of me and say that, you know, Christianity, the the Jesus, the real one is in Quran. What is he doing there? You didn't think through what you just said. What is Jesus doing in the Quran? <laughs> what is he doing in the Quran? When there's a whole Bible. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, now I'm going somewhere. Jesus is the mystery of God. So, because God is mystery, the easiest way he can make himself assimilatable, comprehensible, the easiest way he can distill himself or condense himself, or transfer himself to a place where we can comprehend as human beings. You know the mind is very finite. You didn't know that? You didn't know that there are a lot of things you don't know? No, no, about your family. No, just about your family. (laughs) You keep talking to your mother. She'll keep telling you things you never knew about the past. Yeah. Or your dad will tell you things. Some of us whose dad is not around, mom is not around, sometimes don't have the privilege to ask some questions. Because as you are growing, you are beginning to realize, I wish I could know more about this. Watch this. Christ is the mystery of God. God has chosen to reveal himself through his son, Christ. Now watch this. When you become born again, the rest of your Christian life is growing, look at the text again, that you will come to a true knowledge of God's mystery. What's God's mystery? True. That is Christ. Those of you who can see it. Christ himself, he himself is the mystery of God. So how? 
Am I going to find him? Where is he? I want to know more about God. God said, I've revealed myself in Christ. Don't forget Colossians 1.15. He's the image of the invisible God. All right. So the God who cannot be seen, everybody is trying to find him and look for him. He said, okay, let me just reveal myself to you. And then he packaged himself into Christ and brought and revealed himself. Now we are here. We are not living in Palestine region, let alone to be living in 2,000 years ago. So where is Christ? And God still wants us to know him through Christ. All right, where is Christ? The bigger question is, where is Christ? Do I go to heaven? In fact, it says that don't say who will go to heaven and bring him down. Romans chapter 10. Don't say who will go to heaven. So where is Christ? How do I find Christ? How can I know Christ so I can know God? Because if I know Christ, I will get to know the mystery of the ages. Because Christ is the mystery of God. God himself is the greatest mystery. This whole thing about God. Okay, so he has given himself, revealed himself through Christ, who is the mystery of God. Now, so how do I know Christ? This is very important. Brothers and sisters, listen to this. How do we get to know the mystery of God? How do we find Christ? Do we have to go to heaven? Where is he in the universe where I can find him? Where is he? John chapter 14, verse 20. John 15, 4, John 15, 5, John 17, 23, John 17, 26. And then from there we will go to Romans chapter 8, verse 10. And then we go to um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. We are on a quest to find where Christ is. I'm looking for Christ. I'm looking for him. Where is he? When I was growing up, you know, I, I, I didn't like football. I didn't like football because I wasn't good at it. Every time they don't let me play because when I start playing, I don't wait for the ball to be passed. I just run after the ball. I kick everybody's leg and enjoy myself, injure others. So, and I also never played. So anytime you saw me playing football, it's because there was no one to play. So they put me in there. So I've never liked football up to now. Please, sorry, football fans. But there's a game I used to like, you know, you are not familiar with it. I think they call it something like, uh, almost like hide and seek. So you hide, and then they will seek you. And and God has also, it's like Christ is hidden. Now we have to. Because when you find what is being hidden, you get a reward, isn't it? Yeah. So now we also have to find Christ. Where where is Christ? Is he under the, where, where in the universe is Christ? Because if I can find him, I will get the mystery of God to understand. Where is Christ? Jack, where are you? I am here. Jack, where are you? I am here. So now it's Christ, where are you? I'm going to show you. Last week, I was teaching KP2 about reflection, enlargement. So when you hear enlargement, don't let your mind go unnecessary things. Reflection, enlargement, habitation. And today, I'll be continuing in counterparts. But habitation, I taught KP2, the reason why God created man, watch this is very important, the reason why God created man, which makes you now born again, the difference between you and the one who is not born again, there is a difference between you who say I am a Christian and the one who is actually not a Christian. Okay, who, no, no, not who say, because people say, but are not. Jesus said, he said, many shall say, Lord, Lord, but I'll say, I don't know you. So saying doesn't make you a Christian. Saying you're a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Being a Christian is what makes you, what, what does it take to be a Christian? Yeah, what makes you a Christian is the fact that that's the same reason why God created heavens and earth. One of the major reasons. God's major reason for creating man is he created man so he can put himself into man. So he can inhabit man. That's the way. The term is inhabit man. In another word, in theological circles, indwell man. That's why he created us. So that's why he says that, don't you know you are the temple of the Lord? And the spirit of God indwells you. He says that the things I don't want to do, Romans chapter 7, verse 7, that I do. Now, if I do that which I don't want to do, it's no longer but sin that dwelleth. Ah! So there's a dwelling place in you. That's why he said, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. 
So God created us to dwell in us. So that is why Christ came to die on the earth. He died for our sins so he can kick the squatter out of your life and then now God can dwell in you. Now watch this. So Christ went to heaven and he says that I'm going to, where I go, where I am, John chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in God. Okay, let's go to verse 2. In my father's house, which is the church, in my father's house, there are many dwellings. Amplified, it says that. In my father's house are many dwelling places, abodes, where we dwell. All right? So he said, and he says that, if it were not so, I would have told you, because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So he took the lead to prepare a place so that where he is, we can also... Now, so where is Christ and where are we? We are all together. Now, the scriptures are quoted, John chapter 14, verse 20. John chapter 15, verse 4. Look at John 14, verse 20. Let's read it. Let's go. Where is he? In me. Where is Christ? In me. Yeah. You... That is what distinguishes a Christian, a true Christian from an unbeliever. Christ in me. Christ in me. Now, chapter 15, verse 4, verse 5. Same thing. Similar. Look at it. Verse 15. Abide in me and what? What? Verse 5. Verse 5 says that. Verse 5 said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ plans to abide in us. John chapter 17, verse 23 and verse 26. Verse 23 said, that, I in them. Who are the them? We. I in them. And God, you in me. God is in me. You want to know God, you got to come to me. You want to find me, go to the Christian. Not based on their behavior. So, okay, I'm a Christian. I want to find Christ. What do I do? I don't have to go anywhere because Christ is actually in me. So I have to turn to, <laughs> that's where this thing is going. I have to turn to my inner man. Wow. I have to turn to my inner man. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Is I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live, and yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Where does Christ live? Where does Christ live? Oh, can you, where does Christ live? Yes, if you are not a believer, don't say it. You might be lying in church, and it's not a good place to lie. According to Acts chapter 5, verse 3 downwards, it's not a good place to lie, not church. So it says that <laughs> Christ lives in me. Romans chapter 8, verse 10, it's a very nice text. It says that, and if Christ is in you, what? Christ can be in people? God can be in people. So now, I want to know Christ more. You don't have to go any far. Turn to the Christ. But how do I do that? Because, the, the, Pastor, how do I? That's, that's my message, actually. Comprehending the mystery of God. Understanding the How do I get the true knowledge? The, the true knowledge, the mysterium. How do I get, or how to understand the mystery of God? How do I comprehend the mystery of God. How do I get it? Now, how do you, where do you start from? Being a believer and having faith is good, but it's not enough. Now, to comprehend the mystery of God is what makes, gives you the full assurance of understanding, which now gives you the riches, all the riches. Right? So now, watch this. To, to know Christ more, the first thing the believer has to do is to turn to your spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. But if they shall turn to Christ. Uh-huh. So he said, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord. And then verse 17 says, the Lord is the spirit. If you turn to the, how do I turn to the Lord? The Lord is already inside. Turn to your spirit. Because there's, watch this, you can't be a Christian without engaging your spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit. In Revelations chapter 1, verse 10, I was in the spirit. In Revelations chapter 4, verse 2, it says, I was 
in the spirit. Immediately, I was in the spirit. Revelation chapter 17, verse 3. He carried me in the spirit. Revelation chapter 21, verse 10. In the spirit. In Romans chapter 1, verse 9. He said, I serve God with my spirit. With my spirit. This thing is a spiritual thing. You can't find God with your mind. You can listen to a preaching that saves with your mind. And he finds a way of affecting you, affecting your will. And when you receive Christ, he comes into your spirit. He lives in your spirit. And so that's why the Bible says that the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. Because you as a human being, you have a human spirit. And when Christ is coming to you, he comes, he lives in your spirit. I'll give you a definition that is not common. The definition of your heart. Didn't we read in verse 2 that their hearts, their hearts might be encouraged. They are, where is their heart then? The, you see, God gave us organs. And the heart is a spiritual organ, not the one that pumps blood. When you see hearts in the Bible, it's not talking about the one that pumps blood, that has the ventricles and the... Not the arteries. Heart has not got arteries are connected to the heart. But it has not got it has ventricles. The the atrium and the vent thank you very much. The atrium, we have the lower ventricle, the right and the left ventricle. One is pumping out blood, one is sucking the blood. It's like that. Oxygen, the deoxygenated blood comes, which is in the left one. It comes, it goes into the lung, gets oxygenated, comes back, and then is pumped out from there. So that's what the heart does. All the heart does is the natural heart is taking in blood and pumping blood. That's why they have to check your pulse if your heart is still doing the job. Because if your brain doesn't receive oxygen and the blood sends the oxygen to your brain and the other parts of your body. So the body needs oxygen to operate. So when the oxygen in the blood is used, the blood is deoxygenated. It comes back to the lungs. When you breathe, it goes, it takes oxygen to the lung. Then the lungs oxygenates the blood. And oh, come on. I, I, Some people are jealous. No one told you not to be able to read science in, in secondary school. <laughs> All right, let's get serious. I have to finish. My time is. Uh, I've only got about five minutes. So, watch this. When the Bible talks about hearts, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 Guard your heart with all diligence. What's the heart? What's the heart? But Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, he said, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. What, what's, what's, what's the heart? What's the heart? He says that the word of God is sharper than two so Be able to divide between the spirit and the, and the soul. The spirit and the soul. All right? Between the soul and the spirit. Where is the heart? Where is that? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. So, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all... Huh? Please, take notice of what he's mentioning. All your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. What? Heart, soul, mind, strength. Your soul is the seat of your intellect. Your soul is the seat of your emotions. Your soul is the seat of of your will. So the components of the soul is the mind, the will, I will, I will, and the, the feeling. Hmm, hmm, Valentine's Day is all about your soul. Ah, I don't like the way he spoke to me. I don't, that's all about your soul. All your soul. And yeah, your soul is not saved fully. When you get born again, your soul is what gets transformed. So people are born again, but they are still having lust. People are born again, and they are still dealing with some things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know uh, certain things. I know you are here. You have been dealing with certain things. Because as we receive with meekness, then grafted with James chapter 1, verse 21, as we receive with meekness, then grafted word of God, it's able to save your soul. So it's a, it's, a, it's a process. As every time something is changing in you, the more you are receiving the word of God. Now watch this. So when we talk about the heart, where, so where is the heart and what does the heart consist of? The heart is made up of your spirit. So anytime I make reference to your heart, your spirit comes in play. Your soul also is in your heart and your intuition or fellowship. 
So the, the heart has the component. So there are times where the Bible is talking about the heart and you'll be making reference to your mind. As it thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think, do you use your heart to think? Is it not your mind? But your mind is in your soul, yeah, because your soul is part of your heart. As a man thinks in where? His heart. Jesus said, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Jesus told them, you are thinking these things in your heart. So the heart is an organ for thinking as well. But at the same time, your spirit is also within your heart. So it's like your heart is the house for your spirit and your soul. Now, when you are born again, the third component of your heart is what is called fellowship. When you are not born again, you don't have it. It's dead. So when you are born again, you now get fellowship with God. And that's where the life of God is in the fellowship aspect. It's called the intuition aspect of, and from there, he is, so that's why I said, come into my heart. Come into my heart. And that is where your spirit and your, uh, the spirit of Christ begins to have interactions in your spirit. Now, if you want to know Christ more, you have to first of all turn to your spirit. You have to, watch this, you have to engage your spirit, not just your mind. Your mind is also important, but it starts with engaging your spirit. Say, my spirit. spirit. Bible says that um, God will sanctify 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. He will sanctify you through your spirit, soul, and body. So you have a spirit, you have a soul, you have a body. That's the three components of the human existence. Spirit, soul, but when you get born again, it's your spirit that gets saved. Your soul is being saved. Your body will be saved when Christ comes. At the end, the body, so that's why we die. Because the body will be saved later. All right, now watch this. So, you tend to your spirit to know Christ. You can't know, where, where does Christ live? In me. In me. Christ lives in me. Let's all say that together. Christ lives in me. Please say it again. Christ lives in me. So, to get an understanding of the mystery of God, first of all, you have to engage your spirit. Because Christ is in you, in your spirit. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Christ is in you. He's in your spirit. So, start engaging your spiritual man. Be spiritual. Be spiritual in your quest for God. When you're coming to read the Bible, don't read it as letters. Read read it as meal. Start, that's where I'm going. Now, first of all, you will start praying. Ask the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive. Most people, okay, let me show you this too. Most times you can read the Bible and you get the grammar. You have the language. You get the good English understanding. You can understand what it is said, the grammar. But it doesn't mean you will find the mystery. The, the, see, the, the mystery is buried deep in the way. Here. The mystery of God, who is Christ, is on every page of the scriptures. But when you just read it, you won't find, where, where is it? Where is it? You won't find him until you begin to engage your spirit and dig deep. So when I say deep, dig deep, I'm not getting, I'm talking about being so philosophical and some deep revelations. I'm talking about, first of all, personally, Deep dig into your spirit. Engage your spirit. Be conscious of his presence in your spirit. And then, when, and then pray to him. And when you start reading your Bible, watch this. So your spirit is affected. Then your mind begins to have understanding. And then your emotions begin to feel the love for Jesus. I feel like preaching. Your emotions. How many of you have read the Bible? And the more you are discovering Christ, the more you feel, I love this Jesus thing. I love this Jesus thing. That's what happens to me. Most of the time when I'm studying, the the mystery is being downloaded. I'm thinking about scripture. And I'm beginning to see what is more than the normal eyes can see. So now, when you are growing this full knowledge, in this true knowledge, how dare someone come and tell you the Bible is contradicting itself? You just look at them and you feel very sorry for them. Because you, even when you try to explain, this is not in the intellectual realm. So what happens is that your spirit, you engage your spirit, and then your mind gets understanding. And then your emotions begin to love for Christ, begins to gen- That's why it says that they will be knit together in love that their hearts will be comforted. Then your life begins to grow for the Lord 
And then what? That, generally, I will do this for God. I will go on evangelism. I will go outreach. No, I won't, I won't overcome. I won't let this temptation overcome me. I won't, I won't, it won't overcome me. I will obey God. I will obey God. I will forgive that lady. I will forgive that guy. I don't, I, I'm no more angry with my wife. I'm no more angry. With, see, you read the Bible, now your will gets affected. Yeah. Because when you begin to see the mystery of Christ, you begin to discover Christ, who is the mystery of the ages, is buried in the text. But you don't just go and do some normal reading because you won't find it in the black and white. You won't just find him. Wow. You won't just find him black and white. You have to engage your spirit first. So how is if you are not born again, there's no hope for you because you can't find Born again, your spirit is comatose. Yeah. If you are not born again, your spirit is dead. It doesn't respond. It's unresponsive to God. We can say anything. All the things you hear is the wise ones, the things that appeal to the soul. That's why we pastors have to be careful. We don't just preach to feed the souls. We have to start with the spirit because then transformation can take place. If we don't start with the spirit, transformation cannot take place. And I'm, I'm talking to somebody because now people are online. We are all, you have to engage your spirit. You, you have to engage your spirit, man. What kind of Christianity is this that is not, not engaged? It doesn't engage your spirit. That's why unbelievers are competing with you on terms of religion. They think you are all at the same level. Engage your spirit. That's why unbelievers can come to church and also feel comfortable and think you shout. I can also shout. And they are even speaking in tongues. I can also speak in tongues. Because nowadays we have unbelievers who are speaking in tongues. Yes. Because the thing has become just on the surface. Tell me how much you've engaged your spirit, not how much you've engaged your mind. Because the mind of every unbeliever is blinded. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The mind of every unbeliever is blinded. Stop trying to say, appeal to the mind of unbelievers. And let's begin to reach out and send Christ into their spirit. As you preach, it begins to find a place in their hearts. So now how do you find, how do you understand the mystery? Number one, engage your heart. Engage your spirit. Number two, let your mind, as you read your Bible, now after engaging, when you engage your spirit reading your Bible, your mind begins to get certain understanding. How many of you have read some text? Maybe you read it some time ago, but you read it again, you saw, wow. Sometimes people are preaching, I'm listening, I'm wondering, but how come I never saw this? Yeah. Yeah. I've read it several times, I've read over, I've marked it, I've circled it, I've colored it, I've done everything. But you, I, I, I never saw this. Yeah. Why? Because it's spirit to spirit. Mm. The first time I got it from my spirit at a certain level, but the next time you, the spirit takes you further into another level because the mystery is deep. It says, oh, how the, the riches, Romans 11, 33. All the depths, all the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable eyes. Eyes that were in ways past finding. So engage your mind after you turn to your spirit. Because he says that 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 22. Grace be with your spirit. It's important. Your spirit. Say my spirit. My spirit. He said, Christ be with your spirit. Christ be where? With your spirit. In Philemon verse 25, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, where? Be with your spirit. Philippians chapter 4, verse 23, what does it say? Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. But the grace that is with us, it be with us with our spirits. Like Galatians 6 18. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits. Guys, let's learn to turn to our spirits. This thing is not just a mental exercise. I know you are reading your Bible seriously. Engage your spirit. Turn to Christ because Christ is the mystery of the, the book. And if it's living in your spirit, so you have to turn to your spirit. And now from your spirit, as you read it, you begin to see Christ on every page. He's on every page, in every letter, in every word in this book. It's Christ. It's Christ. So Bible says that, be careful, lest someone beguile you. He was talking to people who he's commended their faith already. 
He's commended their life. Why is he telling them that now they have the full, the, the, the riches of the full assurance of understanding? Attaining to the true knowledge of the mystery. That's what the full understanding. When you get to the full knowledge of the mystery, which is Christ. And the Bible says that in whom is all are hid, in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge is inside him. Whatever you are looking for, don't circumvent Christ. Bible says that he has been made for us wisdom and power. Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Christ is the mystery. And to find the mystery, to understand the mystery, please turn to Christ. Where is Christ? It's right in your spirit. Turn to your spirit. So the less spiritual you are, the more you understand. You, your mind can get some things, but it's just the surface. You are not actually getting the mystery. You, are, you can't find the mystery. That's why you have been attacking church like that. That's why your service in church is that wobbly. Because you, you lack so much. It's like eyes applied. But when you begin to grasp it, they can threaten you with death. They can put you in prison. You come out of prison, you go back to preach. Because he said, you, we cannot but obey God. You have captured something about Christ, nothing can make you stop it. That is what builds the church. <laughs> That is what builds the church. It's not just human labor. It's serving Christ from your spirit. Discovering the mystery. You will stop complaining about every little thing in church. Did you receive something? (laughs) Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. You're welcome to connect with David Entry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also find more spirit-filled messages from Caris Church on YouTube and all relevant streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe, like and share the message. Be blessed.